C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And I'm Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood, and we are excited to once again welcome an esteemed guest. Um, Aria, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, well, my name is Aria, and I was born in 91, and... Hmm. Young millennials represent... I would say she's a middle-aged millennial. I feel like middle. That's true. I guess we're only three years apart. But So Aria was one of our first write-ins, actually, and she wrote in to say that, I know I should have pulled that up, but I did not, um, that you didn't relate to being a millennial. So we can talk about that more later, but I remember you distinctly um, writing that in, and I was very excited because we had just been doing it for like two weeks, and I was like, oh, our first email. I love it. I also, yeah, (laughs) I should say we are kicking off Recordapalooza in Portland. Woo, woo, mini Recordapalooza. We're not doing quite as many as we did last Recordapalooza. But still, I mean, we're in the same place. Yes, yes. Delightful Portland, Oregon. Yes. Oregon or Oregon. I know this is it. Oregon. 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 But neither of us are native. You're the closest to being native. I've always heard Oregon. Oregon was like the outsiders. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I think that's how I'll like, keep that in mind. I don't want to be considered. Uncultured Midwestern people say it. It's me. Yeah. That's <laughs> precisely my demographic. So great. Glad I know where I fit in. Awesome. Um, well, let's kick it off with some millennial moments. Yes. I have one. Go Maddie. Um, I obviously flew here from New York yesterday. And I was telling Shay this, um, but for Aria's benefit and our listeners. So this was like a very minor moment, but I was sitting on the window seat over the wing and we were sitting on the tarmac, you know, waiting for everyone to load in and whatnot. And I was sitting there with the plane not moving for probably like 20 or 30 minutes. And the sun was in such a position where it was like right shining on the wing, like right into my eye. And I couldn't close the shades they were broken on the plane and yeah. I was just sitting there sweating um and it was very bad and I was not about it and I just had like cold air blowing on me and like the other passengers were like looking at me because during the flight like the sun would shine at them and everyone had their shades down and were like reading and stuff or like watching movies and it was like glaring on them and I was like this is just such a minor inconvenience and I was telling Shay too this that like it wouldn't have mattered so much except that I flew the last time and my tray table was broken and so was the person's next to me. So we had to like hold all of our stuff and I was like, just the minor inconveniences of travel really get to me. So I think that shows that you are growing up. You're now I'm officially a past being a young millennial. That's <laughs> um, true. Do you have a millennial moment, Shay? Um, I mean, this one's not very creative. It's one that we've definitely talked about before, but um, now that I'm you know, working for myself and kind of, you know, you kind of live and work all in the same place. I Shay lives in the WeWork podcast. I live in the WeWork podcast studio. (laughs) But I'm just like amazed at how much I don't care 
about like wearing the same clothes more than one day. Um, like I had gone. I love that most of your millennial moments are about your bag lady clothing. I'm such a bag lady. I love lady. it. And also, I like, love that it's a recurring theme. It's a recurring theme. Like, so here's what happened this week. Um, I mean, I things. have seen. Sorry to keep stepping oh, all over your no, moment. No, please do it. But we recorded hot take because Ari has not heard this because it hasn't come out yet. But the episode that we recorded with Leah, yeah. where you were talking about how all of your stuff is like piled up in your bedroom. Yes. I have seen it and I see the struggle because it's not like laid out flat on the floor. It's like stacked up. So I was yeah. like, of course you can't get to the stuff at the bottom. No. It's just not going to happen. No, it's impossible. Um, so, yeah, going on from that same story because I couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. So I wore on Tuesday like leggings and a, like this long sweater from Madewell that was nice at one point but has not washed as well as expected. And then my, like, Mr. Bones tank top, which Mr. Bones oh, is where I got my dog from. It's very – it's a classic. But, like, I wore that all day, and I wore that to, like, dinner at my boyfriend's with his kids. And um, I, you know, didn't think anything of it. And then the next day, yesterday, my wonderful cousin treated me to a spa day. Actually, we should go to the Allison. It's very oh, cool. Nice. The spa is amazing. But <laughs> even if we don't long. do the spa, but, like, the wine, the it's atmosphere. really good. The food is amazing. We'll definitely go. Um, but I – so – I was like, oh, I don't know what to wear because we're going out for lunch first, but then we're going to the spa and you get all yucky. So I was like, thank goodness most of my wardrobe is clothes that could either be pajamas <laughs> or, like, Fancy. evening wear. Like, just depending <laughs> on your shoes. Nothing mm-hmm. in between. Yeah, very convenient. So I basically ended up wearing I this, like, that. jumpsuit that's made of, like, sweatshirt material. Mm-hmm. You wear high heels, you can wear it out. Fancy dinner. You wear flip-flops, it's for the spa. So I was very happy about that. But then when I got back from the spa I didn't want to wear that jumpsuit anymore so I put on the exact same grubby clothes I was wearing the day before and then proceeded to go over to David's house and see him for like half an hour and then go over and pick up Maddie from the airport and I'm like people think I probably have the same two outfits and it's true so that's my millennial (laughs) I love that yeah everything is relatively clean I have to say like if it smells I don't wear it again I witnessed Shay doing laundry this morning so she does clean her clothes (laughs) so awesome anyway Aria do you have a millennial moment? Um, or if you want to share, maybe now's the time if you don't have one, how you don't connect to millennial culture. Well, or maybe you have connected since you sent us that note. <laughs> many things racing through my mind now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, honestly, this morning I was thinking, man, what is my millennial moment? <laughs> I'm like driving to work. Like, I can't think of a millennial moment. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, like, right when I got here, I was telling you guys about how like, I feel like this is a meeting because I don't have my notepad or anything. Yeah. So yeah. You both are like, millennial moment. Yeah. Like, jinx. <laughs> so I was like, oh, maybe I'll just use that one. Yeah. <laughs> my millennial moment. So, uh, dear listeners, um, Aria is very, like, high-powered and fancy executive and has the definitely the best job of everyone in this room. Um, <laughs> so she just got – I just like to – one of my goals is to, like, embarrass my guests as much Fantastic. as possible. By complimenting them. By complimenting them. I'm sure them. I'm, like, beat red. No, it's just us. You are awesome. Um, drink some water. Have some cider. It helps. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, today uh, we are drinking perhaps blackberry cider. It's unclear. Yeah, um, it's a very berry. Very, berry cider. Uh but Aria just got a big promotion at work, so she Congrats. is now a big, fancy executive for her company. We'll have her talk a little bit more if she wants to about what she does later on. Um, but I think that is kind of the definition of millennial moment. Like, here you are. Like, you got this big, fancy offer today, but you're also, like, coming to you got the, offer be on today? the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Breaking news. Podcast <laughs> right? exclusive. I love podcast it. exclusive. So, Amazing. Yeah. That's great. 
Um, well, shall we kick it off before we dive more into the interview with our campfire topics? Yes. Yes. I can begin. Okay, begin. Um, there was a article. This came out maybe a couple months ago, maybe a couple weeks ago. I don't know. It was in uh, Curved, I believe. Mm. That's by Roxanne Gay, who is a personal favorite of Shay and mine. Yeah. She's. Do you know Roxanne? I do not. She wrote the book. So good. I'll bring you a copy. Bad Feminist, and she's written other books. She's like a university professor, and she's also very active on Twitter, and she does a lot of things like she writes very intellectual articles but she also like tweets about the bachelor and like very lowbrow highbrow stuff but she wrote an article about tiny houses which mm-hmm. we so many thoughts yeah, yeah no it was automatic <laughs> we, yeah um which i don't i don't think we've had any sort of in-depth discussion on tiny houses on this podcast but i feel like they're very millennial What's and Roxanne have to say? well she kind of gave an overview of like what the movement is a lot of people are doing it so that they can live you know, not tied down to, like, a huge house with a mortgage. A lot of the tiny houses, especially on, like, Tiny House Hunters, which is a favorite show of mine. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, a lot of the tiny houses are actually, like, trailers on wheels or they're, like, converted RVs or, like, the Airstream thing is very popular. Um, so a lot of people can actually move their tiny homes or they find, like, a very cheap plot of land. Um, or the flip side of that is they live in a very expensive city and they can only afford a very tiny space. And one of the things that she brought up in the article was that obviously this is a very, you know, white, privileged, one-sided side of the art side of the argument. And the other side is that, you know, a lot of these tiny homes are actually very expensive. And as more and more people are able to spend more money on these tiny homes, people that actually can only afford to spend or to live in 200 square feet, they're this culture around tiny homes is kind of glorified in a way that, you know, minorities or oppressed people or people in poverty situations, like, it's not, in a lot of circles of white privileged people, it's seen as very luxurious to be able to convert your own tiny home and make it your own space and go to an expensive city and kind of make, you know, make all these choices and have this freedom that comes Mm -hmm. with having money, even if you're choosing to downsize your life. And a lot of people, Roxanne was saying, look at this, and they're like, well... I live in 200 square feet, which is technically a tiny home, but I don't see it as a paradise. And it further sort of makes the world a little bit smaller for those people. And I just thought that was very interesting, like looking at the other side of it. Um, And she was also poking fun at kind of like the HGTV culture in general, which I love. (laughs) It's so great. Um, And kind of how it has been, which I've read other articles about HGTV that it has like the most original programming on cable now because oh, wow. people are just like eating it up yeah and it's some of the only TV that millennials actually watch is stuff like the Food Network and HGTV and kind of these self-improvement mm-hmm. things so mm-hmm. anyways just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that well while I have many thoughts on the tiny house movement in and of itself I think you know what Ms. Gay talked about um is spot on and it's really interesting but what I think you kind of get the same thing I don't know if any of you follow the Instagram account Cheap Old Houses no that um, sounds good delightful. it's yeah. so good but it's really interesting for me um, coming from rural Pennsylvania and oh, a yeah. lot of the homes you lived in a ha- an old house right? I lived in an old house um, but a lot of these homes it's it's very much the same thing you know they're selling these beautiful old homes that were very much um the cream, the creme de la creme during their era, but they've fallen into disarray. They're being sold for, uh, she only posts ones under $100,000. So sometimes mm-hmm. they're as low as like, you know, 20, you know, sometimes they're like 99.5. And they're from places mostly in the Rust Belt, mm-hmm. um, you know, that had great wealth and then lost great wealth. And it's like, 
it's really hard because, you know, she, the way she talks about it is like, someone should buy this house and save it and da, 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 da. And you're like, well, the person that was living in that before, like they had did all that they could. Like this, they yeah. had to leave and they so weren't able to renovate Detroit, it. Too. Yeah. There's a lot about. So there's it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. interesting. Like she, I didn't get the impression from the article or like thinking about it myself that it's like people should be anti-tiny houses no, or no. anything. Like that's it's not. great about Roxanne. It's yeah. not that. It's mostly just like thinking when you talk in absolutes you're like having a tiny house is great and it's a great lifestyle choice and people should really consider it it's like well for a lot of people they are only able to afford a little bit Mm -hmm. and to glorify something that you know having space is a symbol of power and of agency Mm -hmm. and to kind of take that away from people as like a dream or to be like oh well the only proper way to live in a tiny house is if it's like really cute and instagrammy and it's in a great neighborhood and yeah. if your reality is not that it can be again further social isolation for yeah. people that are already very isolated so i had never thought about that i live in what is considered a tiny house because i live in 500 square feet with another person yeah so i love it because i get lots of storage techniques from watching those shows <laughs> and little like tidbits but um I made that choice. I could have, you know, moved somewhere else and lived in a bigger house. And, you know, to think about the fact that I'm paying, like, way above what someone, like, someone couldn't even afford my little bit of space. And even, like, being in the WeWork, I'm, like, the different price points of space yeah. is so yeah. I think interesting. interesting. Now, Ario, what do you think? Yeah, those are really good topics around the tiny homes. Like, I personally have not thought from that perspective on them. Um, I like to live in a minimalist type fashion. So when I first learned of those, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, all I have is an air mattress. <laughs> and, like, I could use a tiny home then. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, on that note of the other perspective, um, I feel like if we have all these tiny homes, then we could, like, help the other population have some sort of shelter and I don't know, just glorifying yeah. these other things that are taken for granted. I think the tiny yeah. house movement, one thing that it does really well is utilizing not throwing away space that's considered useless. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you can build a perfectly livable house in like a very small amount of yeah. space and imagine like if a lot of public spaces allowed people even mm-hmm. to have tiny houses there, what that would do for the homeless population or for people that would be like couch surfing with friends and family mm-hmm. if they could mm-hmm. have like a really nice very functional little tiny house on mm-hmm. like a very small sliver of land and be totally happy with that like yeah i think it would be a very great idea well, yeah and i think that's what a lot of like habitat for humanity and those kind of organizations yeah. have mm-hmm. adopted which is really really cool and again i think that's also what some of these kind of these glorifying these potential fixer uppers are doing yeah. they're drawing attention to space that's otherwise going to go unused or be mm-hmm. ruined so like i think there is like a the huge show on hgtv that. that's like yeah. i think it's called hometown it's oh, like oh yeah so good sorry <laughs> i love it they're like in mississippi it's like this couple and they are trying to like save their hometown and they're like they have disgustingly all these... adorable yeah not as adorable as and Chip it's and in Joanna, mississippi but... which like quite frankly i have never once met a person who is like i'm gonna take a trip to mississippi mm-hmm. or i am looking to move to mississippi like yeah. it's just not a place but they're bringing a lot of attention the same way that like fixer upper has brought attention to waco well yeah you know what i mean and now yeah. it's like a destination like i had a friend who is in grad school and she went on spring break to Dallas and she made a trip to Waco to go to like Magnolia which is like the fixer upper Mm. that's where they have their 
they have like They're, an event space and yeah. stuff and that's kind of their headquarters so people are actually making the effort to like go to these places that otherwise wouldn't have a tourist in- industry so that is something positive yeah it's very interesting no, I think it's it's really interesting and I was reading well we talked about that article in the Huff Post um, this like basically it the whole article was talking about how millennials are screwed, basically. Mm-hmm. And the number one oh, the crisis... the FML article? The FML yeah. article. Uh, the number one crisis of our generation um, is the housing crisis, and then it's mm-hmm. followed by the opioid crisis. So I think mm-hmm. that's, great. like, really... Excellent. Great I know, real great yeah. stuff. Uh, we call ourselves a comedy podcast, but <laughs> guess what, listeners? We lied. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I think, you know, that's really interesting to think about housing being a crisis... Um, and, and not necessarily so for the space. reasons that we think it are, is. Mm-hmm. Because, again, we still have so much space. People put value on weird things. Yeah. Anyways, so do you guys have hot topics? Um, I do have one. Now, I did have very nice notes, but they're on my laptop, and I don't feel like oh. getting it out, so I'm going to wing it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I was reading this piece. I saw it first in Artsy, and then I read an article about it on the Washington Post. And it was talking about how a university in Wisconsin, a, one of a state school, has decided to eliminate 13 uh, humanities majors. So you think, okay, they're probably eliminating, like, studio art and music. The which, book I was reading was talking, oh, talking about, about this. this. Yeah. So, of course, like, that's awful. But then I read the list of what they're thinking about, what they're proposed to eliminating, and I think I should have followed basket up. weaving. Oh, no, no. It's English. Oh, great. It's history. Cool. It's philosophy. Wow. Great idea. What's, what was this? Sorry. It's uh, one of the like University of Wisconsin subsidiaries. Oh. So I That's have like to a like. Big yeah. University. Well, and that was the That's thing. Not, like, so the article in the Washington Post it was talking about how, and this I was just was like fascinated by. Mm-hmm. Um, so the universe. So Wisconsin has one of the best like state-run university programs in the country, and it literally is written to their state constitution that they should have these. Um, universities that work for the betterment of the human like spirit or something Mm -hmm. has some like fancy language so like two years ago they literally made a movement to change and it was approved to change the constitution where it said the universities um i need to work on talking slower because that's like my mom's number (laughs) one feedback we get really excited then i'm like um anyway let me slow down. So that they're instead of saying for like the uh, the individual's greater good, it now says um, for like it's like really kind of creepy and like communistic. It's like yeah. for the economic greater good of the state. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, so they're eliminating all of these majors and then adding, but they're keeping stuff like graphic design, but not studio art. Um, and they said you can still minor in these things and they're still teaching classes, but it means that there are less classes, less budget, prof- less professors are getting tenure. And I just, um, you know, I think our listeners know that like I went to a liberal arts school it was really really important to me um I think I was an English major obviously and I would never change that I think I learned so many skills that my peers who maybe were doing a really heavy math or science track didn't learn like they are much smarter than I am but they didn't have the opportunity to learn some of the critical thinking skills that I did and just to be able to like read the stuff that I think connects us to humanity and Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really important and I don't think I'm doing too bad for myself so I think that's a real problem that universities are that this is happening now in a place like Wisconsin we're not talking about like 
I don't know, Some rural random, Virginia or yeah. something. Like, this is a major thing. So I was really interested. Um, I think we all had pretty different college experiences. Maddie went to NYU, and I'm blanking where you went to school. But I went to Washington State To Washington University. State. And Go Cougs. Yeah, <laughs> woo-woo. Um, and you majored in science, correct? Yes, biochem. In biochem. So, and Maddie was a business major and mm-hmm. history minor, so I think really different experiences. Yeah. So I'm excited or interested to hear what both of you guys think about that. And maybe, Arya, if you want to yeah. kick off as the science person. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, the hard sciences. Um, no, I think that's a good point that you bring up, that it's different from, like, as you mentioned, the sciences and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that we're necessarily smarter than you, but <laughs> we know other things that you don't. You know other things that we don't. Yeah. So I think we balance Takes each other out. There's a value. Yeah. yeah. And I think I'm, I love that we're focusing so much on STEM education, especially for women and young girls. Like, mm-hmm. I love that so much. But it makes, but there's such a devaluing in yeah. the humanities. It's like, why do you have to, to yeah. take, you don't have to take space from someone else to yeah. make space for yourself. Oh, this is the other thing. This university is eliminating their Spanish major. And like, this is the United States of America. <laughs> 50% of our population yeah. is Hispanic. You can't eliminate the Spanish yeah, major. That's like, dumb. it just, yeah. it was I infuriating. I have been reading me. this book. I have it in my bag right now. It's a really short book. It's by my favorite professor who I had at NYU for my history minor. His name is Jonathan Zimmerman. And he taught me talking to Shay's point of like, you know, I was a business major and I took a lot of math classes, a lot of finance and accounting and stuff. And the most like when I think back to college, the most things that have stuck with me and that have impacted me on like how I view the world were from his classes. So like I followed his work. He published this book after I got out of college and I've been reading it. And he the book is on campus politics and culture. Mm -hmm. So about like college campuses in general and one chapter of the book is about kind of pc culture and kind of debunking a lot of the myths and the language surrounding when people either criticize pc culture or people are you know trying to police language and stuff like that and one of the things he brought up was you know people on the right are so easy to they're quick to focus on the fact that you know oh a lot of college professors are liberal and they're teaching things that you know in the humanities they're putting such a spin on it that the education is very devalued and Mm -hmm. so the focus is always on the education itself is changing and the point that he makes in the book is the type of education is not changing the education is going away entirely and he talked about this that Mm -hmm. the University of Wisconsin is not the only program that's doing this and even programs that are really strong at really you know kind of highbrow universities like Harvard and such like that have kind of been the bastions of humanities a lot of students themselves are choosing not to go into that major and a lot of big universities are having to recruit you know high potential candidates to that specific major um and so it was kind of like a bleak end of the chapter because he was like you can't corroborate what people on the right are saying about pc culture and liberal education because not enough people are choosing these majors anymore to even study it and Mm -hmm there's not enough of an effect on our culture because of such a heavy influence on business and education and the health sciences in particular. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. It's very timely. So everyone yeah. should check out that book. It's very short. Excellent. What is it called? Uh, you can Campus Politics. Yeah, I will. I think it's called Campus Politics, What You Need to Know by Jonathan Zimmerman. Yeah, it's really interesting. And there's yeah. so much change going on right now with these kids. And, of course, everyone is now talking about these high school kids who are, you know, really standing up and taking a lot of action and I think it'll be really interesting to see how things change as they enter into 
college and the workforce. Yeah. So. What about you, Aria? Do you have any hot topics? Hot topics? Like so many. Oh, well, good. (laughs) Throw one out. Sometimes I have three, so you are more than welcome to do more than one. Uh, It's like just trying to catch the thoughts that are running through my head right now (laughs) and like which one to start with. Yeah. Um, Well, one of the things, like just to touch on the like social sciences or Mm -hmm. what people view as like the easy quote unquote Mm -hmm. majors is like i remember that i'm like lol nothing (laughs) nothing is easy like Like, i had people who i thought were like doing fluff majors who were like doing all sorts of stuff right yeah and like i thoroughly enjoyed psychology i thoroughly enjoyed human development and those are seen as those quote-unquote easy courses in the hard sciences but there's so many other things you take away from that that you wouldn't get trying to figure out an ochem formula Yeah. yeah well and i think um I mean, I was telling Maddie a little bit about what you do, and in your job, you deal with a lot of these um, people oh, yeah. who tell us. yeah tell transition. Us, tell us what you do. Transition um, music because I think to Aria's life. You know, when you're interacting with people all over the country who are not scientists, right? So often, but you're having to say like, here's a scientific thing mm-hmm. that's happened, and now we need to address it in the physical world. Like, if you didn't know about psychology and logic and like yeah. kind of these humanity things that and you didn't have the critical thinking skills, like, you wouldn't be as good at your job as you are. I mean, that's how I believe. Maybe Thanks. you are just yeah. innately born with these skills. So that's what is your job? What do you do? <laughs> yeah. I laugh away Boil from it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, So what I do, well, my official title now is the National Director of Food Safety and Quality. And Fancy. It's a big job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited to make things happen at work. Like, I'm yeah. beyond thrilled to get things going the best way possible Mm -hmm. um but like just the gist of what i do besides like legality portions of it all um we manage food products like uh, organics and um the non-gmo all the healthy hippie things (laughs) if you will well this is portland so yes it's perfect (laughs) west coast best coast um and we distribute them to suppliers, whether it's restaurants or grocery stores, and we need to make sure that they're kept in compliance with current federal, state, local regulations and laws. And that involves like analyzing potential hazards and being preventative rather than reactionary. So like right now, there's a lot of listeria and salmonella issues going on around the states, just within the states alone. Yeah. And it's our responsibility to assure that the public is safe from consuming these potentially hazardous foods. Very cool. Yeah. I will say, not to change the topic entirely, but you, have you watched the documentary Wild Wild Country on Netflix? <laughs> or are you familiar with it at all? Uh, someone just mentioned that to me recently. But you should I watch it. it. So, spoiler alert, it's not a huge spoiler, but um, it's it takes place around here in the Dales area. Um, and it's about like a a group of people that kind of come to this small town in Oregon and they try to like take over the city government and they're kind of like a religious like hippie sort of commune community Mm -hmm. it's like a ton of people from all over the world and one of the things that allegedly it has not been proven that they tried to do is they they were trying to plan an attack using salmonella by to get people to not vote like the townspeople 
And so in salad bars around the town, they planted salmonella and like 700 people got really sick from it. So like the potential, not to scare everyone, I know I put my tinfoil hat on this podcast (laughs) from time to time, but the not just food safety, but the potential for some of these biohazards to be used as like some sort of chemical weaponry has Mm -hmm. happened very close to here. So I don't know if that's something that you guys think about like oh yeah we do yeah <laughs> <laughs> make sure try to make sure that other people That's think great. about it as well <laughs> awesome well I think it must be like when I think about all the things that you have to consider to like mm-hmm. keep this food safe it's really interesting and you don't even think it could just be like a crazy employee who's mm-hmm. on the factory yeah, floor yeah. yeah who decides to shoot it up with salmonella or cough his flu face all over it yeah. like you don't or know people that are just careless Mm-hmm. What's something that you recommend to like, obviously we're not in the industry, we're just like everyday consumers. What's something that you recommend in terms of food safety or food consumption to everyday consumers? Well, uh, I recommend trying to keep up with the FDA mm-hmm. and their notices that go on their websites for current recalls. Uh, the USDA will sometimes also post that as well. And then when you go shopping at grocery stores, they should have signs posted that there's a recall. And it's very easy to walk past it and not notice. And the grocery stores should have pulled it off their shelves anyways. But for your awareness, try to look out for any postings in the grocery stores. That's awesome. Or if you already bought the thing, you might not even know Mm -hmm. if you're not aware. Yeah, so that's why it's important because the stores may not, like, reach all the customers that purchased for um, consuming. So, What have you seen as, like... Has there been a food that's, like, particularly unsafe, or is it kind of across the oh, board? It's, it's across the board. Oh, there, cool. there, are, <laughs> there, are, there are foods, though, that have more risks just mm-hmm. because of... I know, of, like, peanut butter I've heard a lot, or, like, spinach. Mm, I don't know. Maybe yes, not. yes. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things running through yeah. my mind. Oh, no. Um, but there are some foods that have higher risk of adulteration just because of how easy it is to access these foods. Mm. Um, or manipulate them in other countries where there's less regulations. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now there's a recall going on about lettuce, okay. like romaine lettuce. Yeah. And, um, like, be sure to wash your veggies, of yeah. course. Like, it is important to do that. I know some people believe, like, the hippie wave, just eat it dirty and, like, yeah. mix up your biome. Which is but. fine, <laughs> I guess, if you planted it in your own backyard. Or yeah, like, or you buy yeah. it from, like, a local farm. If you know the but. person who, like grew it or whatever but mm-hmm. people put a lot of trust into other people that they don't know now how um this is something i've always wondered like when i wash i'm doing lots of yeah. very big air quotes right now <laughs> my fruits and vegetables i really just kind of like quick rinse them and then mm-hmm. maybe dry them depending on what i'm making sometimes just leave them kind of wet mm-hmm. do you personally use or would you recommend using like a vegetable wash or like soaking stuff or is there any like hold it under the running water for for more than more more than one second yeah (laughs) i mean i could tell you what i personally do yeah what do you personally do (laughs) um like depending on the food that it is i may just leave it soaking overnight Mm -hmm. and then rinse that out and do a couple more rinses just fill the bowl and dump out yeah um for like an apple or something i may just run it under and just quickly rub it off and then dry that. I get the impression that stuff that grows up higher is generally safer than stuff that grows in the soil. Is that true? 
I don't know. Mm, there's Maybe different not. risks. Yeah. Different risks. You I have guess, your like, animals that hang out in the trees that's and true. poop all over things. Bugs and, and stuff. Yeah. Birds. Bugs the worst. Diseases, Very true. Yeah. How did you get into this line of work? Have you always worked in this field since you graduated? Or Not always. I have a pretty diverse resume. Yeah. <laughs> let's great. hear it. This is why we asked you on. No. We love millennials that have <laughs> yeah. untraditional shoot, shoot, shoot. career paths. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I graduated with biochem. And then I thought, you know, growing up, I'd become a doctor. And so I did medical route for a little bit, quickly learned that is not my niche. And so I was like, oh, man, I need to, you know, yeah. reevaluate my life <laughs> in quite yeah. a moment. And so I applied at like over 150 jobs. Oh, after my God, that. that makes me sick. And I stopped counting after 150. Yeah. yeah. And I only got calls for two interviews, I think maybe three. Oh, but what year was this? This was 2014. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I got a call for AmeriCorps. And they're like, oh, we need people. And yeah. do you want to work at a high school? And AmeriCorps is kind of like the Peace Corps, but in America, right? It's like yeah. service-based uh-huh. kind of. Yep, yeah. service-based. And uh, I really enjoy working with youth, and I love the education system. I even considered becoming a teacher, or maybe a professor. So I was like, yeah, I'll work at a high school, dip my toes in that water, and see how I like it. And so I worked with at-risk youth oh my God. at the high school. I had like about 67, give or take students. Was this in Portland? or This was in Bellingham, Washington. Okay. Yes. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Sometimes I would substitute for different classes or help out with chemistry, environmental science, um, biology, what have you. Even art, speaking of the other (laughs) classes. Yeah, I helped out with those. And I didn't really utilize my biochem major as much as, you know, I hoped. Yeah. And so once my term ended with AmeriCorps, I, again, started applying for jobs around the area. Like, please hire me someone. Like, I was thinking, you know, I was told biochem, you're, like, in. But not at all. (laughs) Not in my experience. And I think that's a good, again, kind of, like, hearkening back to what we were talking about. Yeah, cut the humanities. But, like, there's no guarantee for anybody. It doesn't matter what you study. And even when you're a superior student. It's been – it's taken a positive turn recently, but I – you know, I got a great job out of college, but, like, I've been looking at other opportunities, and I started applying to stuff this time last year, like, very heavily in New York, and, like, I have a finance business accounting background, which is supposedly very sought after, and I've gotten a handful of interviews, like, one or two kind of serious ones, and then a couple, like, phone screens, but that's it, like... Mm -hmm. So I relate to what you're saying totally. Yeah, tough times. Yeah. <laughs> so you're back on the job market, and yeah, what back on the job market. And this one place up in Blaine, Washington, it's like five minute drive from Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm, love uh, Canada. Yeah, reached out to me, so they wanted to interview me, and I was like, sweet, you know, something. Yeah. And I go up there, and it was for a quality tech position. Mm-hmm. We manufactured peanut, almond, and cashew butters there. Mm. And there was a lab, so I was pretty excited and tickled to be back in a lab. And it was a small (laughs) lab compared to what I used to do in college. But it was a lab nonetheless. Yeah, sounds fun. I was like, I was so happy to hold, like, giant beakers. I don't know. (laughs) Were you, like, developing... The Pinot products or like testing their quality? Or um, so, developing it is part of RD, research and development. Mm-hmm. And I did help out with RD for a bit, but my primary focus was in quality assurance. 
And Did you get to taste peanut butter? Like every 30 minutes. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Great. It's a requirement for us to taste Amazing. it. Oh, make so sure you work there if you have a peanut allergy. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> right, which some people might discover randomly. <gasps> like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my but, God. Um, I wasn't really a big fan of the butters before, and I'm not still. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely had to taste butter every 30 minutes to oh make God, sure that the God. production line was running yeah. as specs required yeah mm-hmm. yeah so we Very would test for like salt and um like the grind of the butter mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into yeah. it than i ever imagined That's food so production is crazy yeah so I then was, oh, I, go ahead. small small tangent sorry i so my dad is in the auto industry and he's worked in like similar you know like quality looking at that kind of stuff and my aunt she got a job working for lifestyle condoms and she was like, they told me to like test the product, but she's been like married for many years. And she was like, we were like at like a family event and she was like trying to like talk about her job without like being weird about it. Cause oh, she no. worked for like a condom company and she was like, yeah, they like told me to try them to like see what the product's like, but like, I don't really need them. Cause like she's been married and she doesn't need to like use that. And my dad was like, yeah, like when we have new people, we like take them for a test drive in the car, but I assume it's like a lot different with your boss at a condom mm-hmm. factory. <laughs> so anyways, oh my God, that's, that's my good. small addition. Good factory story. Yeah. Oh, we've had many camp like discussions at oh manufacturing. <laughs> facilities about man i wonder what it would be like to work at a condom (laughs) like wow oh my god oh my god i love it so was that your most recent job before you transitioned into the not the most recent but that was the beginning into it and i discovered my niche Mm -hmm. like i always loved food and you're eating good for your Mm well-being and it just fit in my hobby with applying the sciences okay what i do and i love that like i just found this like burning passion for this industry oh that's amazing and i worked my way up from there and then you know sought more opportunity elsewhere and worked at a meat facility as well Ooh, interesting very interesting yes uh, it was a slaughter facility <gasps> as well oh my god yes i do eat meat yeah so it didn't scar you forever because i watch those no, like peanut yeah. videos and i'm like Ugh. but then i'm like a burger is so good Yes. Now, my dad tells stories about working at a slaughterhouse in like the sixties. Oh What's well, that it sounds like, now? like some black no. and white movie? His situation. job was literally they gave him a <laughs> rifle and they hustled the cows. Uh, Pop, you're gonna have to correct me if I'm telling this story incorrectly. <laughs> oh my God. Like down the. Um, Where was this? What city or state? Uh, Louisiana, maybe. In the south. Yeah, in the south. Sounds they horrible. hustled them into the little pens, and then he had a. <laughs> rifle and he just shot him in between the eyeballs. Oh, well, now they yeah, have that, that's back yeah. then for sure. So yeah. do it now. <laughs> that's not humanely approved no. anymore. <laughs> no. And he no. always would say, well, they didn't feel anything. I'm well, a good shot. They did. So yeah, when you go shopping and you see like the USDA stamp mm-hmm. mark on meat products and it says USDA approved, that typically means that whatever slaughter method they follow is humane, deemed humane by the USDA. So no chicken or turkeys are shot (laughs) while they're being hustled, (laughs) like, in between the eyes. Like, man, that's brutal. That would be a very good shot, (laughs) too, to get a chicken between the eyes. That is is something else. (laughs) But 
Yeah, look for that stamp, too. If, if you want to make sure that animals are being slaughtered humanely, then I would recommend checking what that out. animals did you work with at the slaughterhouse? Was it Turkey. Uh-huh. Those were the live ones, but then we also processed chicken and pork. Cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from there, I still wanted more. Like, I thrive off of challenge. Mm-hmm. I want to make a difference. And so I found this opportunity where I currently am. Started out as a Pacific Regional Manager of Food Safety and Quality for can- um, Canada through California. And then awesome. landed this, like, this morning. <laughs> I'm like, wow, so you're only, like, three years older than me, and you've already done all of these exciting opportunities. <laughs> I'm very well, who was it? So, like, at work the other day, um, one guy came up to me, and he was like, so you're just a year older than me, and you've done all these things. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you have no social life. <laughs> and no. then I was like, I laughed it off at the time, like, yeah, that's hilarious. But then later that night, I found myself thinking, what do I want in life? Oh, well, that's, you're at the age, time for the Right, crisis, but, but I mean, I made sacrifices, yes. Um, but I'm also naturally an introvert, so I think it worked out for me anyways. Yeah. And I like to stay busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, it comes with sacrifices. Yeah, totally. Well, I think it's really interesting, you know, clearly, yeah, you make sacrifices, but and again, we don't want to judge anyone's life by their Instagram, but I mean, I think you get out a little bit. Like you are to. always like posting. Actually, I would love for you to talk about some of your foodie adventures. So you're always out cool. eating delicious food. Oh, yeah, give us some. <laughs> and yeah, and you're rock climber, yeah. and um, a snowboarder too, right? A little bit, a little I'm bit like of a body snowboard. surfer. Body <laughs> surfer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but and I know I'm excited now that the weather is nice. We're going to do some hikes this summer. Yeah. So yeah. So let's talk. I mean, work is super interesting, and we want to hear more about that too. But I want to hear about the rest of your life. What's yes. the other side? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, um, not really trying to promote my Instagram, honestly, but <laughs> all my Instagram, as you mentioned, yeah. um, I post a lot of the foods I eat just because, like, I don't know, it's yeah. freaking delicious cool. and yeah. it looks good. Like. <laughs> Um, so for Portland, when I moved here, it's my rule to eat somewhere different every time I go out because there's love just it. so much here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, yeah I found some places I really love. Right. And that's like never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I found places I really love and yeah, I'm a little bummed that I'm not going to go back there. I mean, maybe I might cheat. Don't, yeah. <laughs> but, um, the goal is to go somewhere different each time. And I have a yeah. list on my phone and I put like little awesome. marks next to them. So good. Yeah. Um, Do you have any burning favorites or, like, different cuisines that you really like? Favorites. I really love Thai food, and I learned Portland has a lot of Thai options. That's awesome. So I I'm pretty that. stoked to yeah. try as much as I can. Yeah. Have you been to Pok Pok yet? No, but I follow that on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I've been – I went once to the restaurant, and that was a really good experience, and then mm-hmm. I got it once takeout, which may have been because – I was not that drunk, but my friends that were ordering were pretty drunk. And I was like, you literally ordered six of the same thing <laughs> and awesome. then a chicken. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. This but it's not... it's very good. Yeah. So it's worth, like, the waiting in line. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's on my list. That's so. great. Mm-hmm. And when you say rock climbing, is it, like, more of, like, an exercise thing? Or do you – are you, like – free... I'm obsessed with, like, free climbers. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot about them. So what kind of rock yeah. climbing do you do? <laughs> um, I primarily do bouldering. What and... is bouldering? It's kind of like free climbing. 
(laughs) People say that. They have a bouldering gym. I mean, like, you don't have ropes, so you're, like, freely up there. There's a place near my apartment in New York that has a bouldering gym where, like, people that do bouldering, like, Mm. go to train, and they have, like, the stuff there, so, and they talk about it, and I've always been too embarrassed to ask them what it was, so. Yeah, you Yes. Well, it's it's like a a puzzle, Mm -hmm. so you start at the bottom, and some, it's pretty important to, like, scope out the route you're going to climb. That's helpful to do that. Um, But it's a challenge, not only physically, but mentally, like, oh, how am I going to reach for this hold next? Mm -hmm. Or, like, once you finish a complicated send, it it just feels so amazing that, yes, I did it. And I was, like, physical, physically fit enough to complete that. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes I'll come across routes that I can't complete, and it just challenges me to, you know, work out some more. It's a experience. Yeah, and, like, okay, I'm going to reevaluate how I would approach that, try it differently. Um, but also just inspires me to try to stay fit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do it mostly in groups, and do you have, like, safety equipment, or is it more – I'm sure there are techniques so that it's um, not, like, a super dangerous activity, or yeah. maybe that's part of it, <laughs> the danger. <laughs> I really don't like falling. Oh, no, I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't say I've met a person that's, like, falling. Great. Passion of mine. (laughs) I'm sure there are people out there. Yeah, Uh, I know. Now that I say it online, someone's going to be like, Someone's going to call in. This is a whole, like, thing. Yeah, Yeah, there's a whole network of people out there. Yeah. Fallers are us. (laughs) Uh, But, now I usually go bouldering by myself. Um, If I'm going to go outside in Boulder where I feel like it's not safe to do it by myself Mm -hmm. and I should bring someone who could be a spotter Mm -hmm. and they should also be experienced in bouldering as well. Um, Anytime I go with someone, it's usually for top roping or like belaying. I'm still kind of new to like the terms, Mm -hmm. but um, you need a partner to Mm -hmm. help you climb with a rope. Now, if you're bouldering outside and you have a spotter, like, what does the spotter do? Like, if you start falling, do they just, like, catch you? They shouldn't catch you. I was going to say, like... <laughs> they should guide you to fall in a safe spot yeah. okay. and ensure that, like, you don't fall in a way that would really injure you. Okay. So, typically, like... like break like, a leg, not a back. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, say, like, if you're climbing, the, the spotter should be not directly below you, but at somewhat of an angle in their arms, like, above... Mm-hmm kind of aiming for the lower back area so that if you fall they can just push you and like just do a guide in Mm -hmm. the right direction yeah that's so interesting how did you first get involved with bouldering well it was about three years ago and my friend wanted to take me to a bouldering gym and I was like yeah I've climbed at malls you know (laughs) and did that I know that's my only frame of reference (laughs) yeah But um, I tried out bouldering for the first time there. I was extremely overwhelmed because I was like, I can't lift myself. And there's like, I could just fall. There's no rope to catch me. And I was very scared, so we top roped instead. And then when I lived in Bellingham, I learned that there's this gym called Vital there. And Vital is really awesome. (laughs) Shout out Vital. Yeah. um, I tried it out there and fell in love with it. Um, Like, I just needed to work on my strength a little bit more so I have more confidence. But it's super fun, and then I've been off for about a year and a half uh, until, like, about two months ago, and I've just been getting back into it again. And when I'm here in town, because I travel a lot for work, mm-hmm. when I'm here in town, I try to go every day or every other That's day. That's awesome. Is there places, like, close by the city that you can go and do it? Like, do you have some favorite spots, or is it 
part of the challenge to like look for new places. Yeah, well, part of since I travel all the time, I really don't want to lose my mm-hmm. momentum. Yeah. I look up are there bouldering gyms near my facilities wherever yeah. I go. So I kind of I don't have memberships everywhere. That would be mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. But I have gyms at some places I visit and continue climbing there. But here, uh, I've been to Planet Granite. It's a really awesome place. Same with Circuit Bouldering Gym over in the northeast side. That one's pretty close to where I live, so I could just walk on over on a nice sunny day oh, like that's today. that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not keeping you from bouldering to be on our podcast. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And so a boulder, what is like a bouldering gym entail? Is it just like rock climbing just without a harness or is mm-hmm. there? Yeah, no harness. It's pretty much you're free to climb. Mm-hmm. Now, wow. but there's a big, like, community, right, with bouldering. Cause, like, so Aria's new to the city as well, and you've been, like, meeting people, and right? Like, so yeah. is that cool? What's that like? Are they, like, um, weird? Or are they cool people? <laughs> uh, for the most part, I've met some pretty cool people. Um, I honestly would like to just climb alone and oh, not yeah. have anyone get in my yeah. zone. Don't like, don't, don't even watch me either. Yeah. But, I mean, I want to climb, so I get out there and put myself out there. But I've met some yeah. pretty I'm learning neat techniques people. from people. I'm sure it's nice, like, yeah. bouncing ideas and yeah. stuff. Yeah, see how they go about climbing a route mm-hmm. and, you know, if they fall, what's their technique, too. Mm-hmm. So it's very yeah. interesting and fun. That's yeah. very cool. Do you prefer to climb indoor at the gym or do you prefer to like go outside when you have the opportunity or is there kind of like a different dynamic between the two? There's definitely a different dynamic. From my experience, I've only climbed outdoors like twice and it seems easier to climb outdoors because you're not limited to a certain color hold mm-hmm. as you are indoors. Um, so outdoors is like you have the whole rock to yourself yeah. and you can just find what works for you. Um, the only times I climbed outside was once in Utah and we did some top roping there and that was really fun. And like next Saturday, I'm going to go bouldering, uh, someplace in Washington. I don't remember the name, but I'm going with REI and I'm pretty excited to do that. Yeah, that's right. You have that class. REI is the best listeners. If you don't, if you're not an REI member, you should be one. I love REI. It's an awesome place. That's very cool. Um, so we're at about 50 minutes if we want okay. to, if we have any last burning questions for Yeah. And is Aria. there any other topics you'd like to yeah. bring up or talk about or share? I know we kind of like sidelined your um, <laughs> hot topic, hot topic <laughs> campfire topic oh, with geez. a this is great. Uh, interview because we wanted to hear about all your stuff. But Man. Um, <laughs> no, uh, there's just a million things running through my mind that are, like, tough topics, like philosophy of life. What is What it? is your philosophy of life, Aria? <laughs> Shoot, walked right into that. <laughs> or what, is, what is your definition of millennial? And how do you kind of relate oh, to yeah. that word? Hmm. Okay, so when I first heard of the term millennial, it was accompanied with that stigma of, like, oh, they're just whiners, and they complain, and they're spoiled little brats, and they don't work for themselves, Mm -hmm. and they just want stuff fed to them. And I did not at all want to be identified with that. Mm -hmm. So that's when I, you know, send in first post, like, first email, like, yeah, I don't identify with that. Yeah. But then, you know, I've learned, like, through your podcast, too, that there's... (laughs) A bigger age range there mm-hmm. than what yeah, the stereotype is. Yeah, it's not just is. like twenty-five-year-olds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or like seventeen-year-olds, which a lot of people think. Yeah, like youths are millennials. And they are mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so like, um, what's the year it goes to? Is it 80? It's, uh, well, we say our de- definition for the purposes of the podcast mm. is 80 to 98. The official definition by Pew came out recently, and it was, what did they say, 81 to 96? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so then, so. I mean, in that sense, I this is, might sound a little weird, but maybe some people out there can relate. Mm-hmm. But I always felt like <laughs> I was in a different generation. Yeah. Like, I don't I some people call it old souls thing. or something. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, I wish I was born in the 80s. <laughs> like, yeah. I was right there on the cusp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. what year were you born then? 1991. 91. Okay. Mm, yeah. So I was like, right there. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, dad. <laughs> yeah. Should have got on that. Yeah. Uh. But um, now that I know it's a much wider range, it does include the 80s. And I'm like, hey, you know, okay. (laughs) Yeah, and obviously it's all a social construct and people's experiences are so, like, vastly different. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's always – I took a class in college on um, student movements, so, like, protest movements and different, um, you know, student groups and stuff in college. And – that's like a big thing that a lot of the um, students that were really big into the protest movements in the 60s, a lot of them wrote and spoke publicly about how they all wished that they were um, around in the 20s and during the Depression and that a lot of them wished that they were able to kind of preempt a lot of the destruction that happened because of the stock market crash and because of all of that. And a lot of them also felt a lot bigger connection to World War II and a lot of them felt guilty that they were too young to fight mm-hmm. in World War II or too young to fight in Vietnam. So there was a lot of that, like thinking how close they were to World War II um, is really interesting. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a very common thing across all generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. you're definitely, <laughs> you defy the millennial stereotype. Yeah. I mean, I'm you're happy not lazy. to like break that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. awesome. That's great. So shall we go into our yes. firing range, our so archery? This is our archery range. Um, okay. So we asked a series of rapid fire questions. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Anxiety. I know. Sorry. Um, answer quickly. When we say like your favorite of something, it can just be like something that you really enjoy. Don't feel pressure to do like your Yeah, no pressure. Yeah. yeah, no pressure. Uh, noted, we have never done the archery range with one another, so... Oh, yeah. We're real jerks by making you guys do this. So awesome. Our esteemed yeah. guests. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do it during Oh, our, our next episode. Yeah, yeah we've been recording like another episode. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so I'll start. Uh, favorite book? Oh, jeez. I blanked. <laughs> Just <laughs> any on, book you one. like. Any book you like. Or one that you read recently. Um, well, one I read, Bouldering. I read a book on better bouldering. Oh, cool. I nice. really like it. I like yeah. Very cool. I wish I could remember the author, but he's very hilarious. So oh, we'll link to we'll it. send it yes. to us when yeah. you have it, and we'll link to it. Yes. Um, favorite movie? Walter Mitty. Oh, oh nice. I like that. Um, favorite food? Thai food. Nice. Yes. Um, favorite place you visited that you haven't lived? So like Iceland. Iceland. Ooh, I want to go. Do it, it looks like Mars, but first. Oh, it is but absolutely first. fantastic. Oh, my God. So I felt, to, I mean, they're both volcanic islands, so it makes sense, but that's how I felt when I went to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. It was like, Very cool. it looks kind of like Mars, mm-hmm. but instead of like lush greenery, Iceland is icy, and I'm like, I need to go. Yeah. Oh, it so has like lush, mossy rocks everywhere, too. Uh, it is gorgeous. Very so cool. cool. What time of year did you go? I went during the late summer. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Favorite childhood snack? 
Oh, geez. Um, there's like a million snacks because I, I like snacks so, so much. Snacks are the best. <laughs> a favorite snack. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, I really liked popcorn. Nice. That's a good one. I like that. I like that a lot. Favorite television show? Uh, first one that comes to mind is I watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air a lot growing up. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, a that's a good one. I can't believe no one's mentioned that. That's yeah. a good millennial classic. That is a good one. Yeah. yeah. Recently, my 12-year-old cousin, Kelsey, for her history class, did a parody of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song, but made it about the uh, Mayan Empire. And it was, like, so good. It was, like, in West Aztec City. And I was, like, girl, listen to you go. (laughs) It was so good. even know what Fresh Prince is in our, like, they get the reference. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) It was very impressed. Um, Favorite year in high school? Wow. Or you Uh, can say you hated high school. That's awesome. I will say that I enjoyed, like, my freshman year. It's good times. Good Very times. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's all the questions I had. Um, mm-hmm. She has more, more things I know. we want to grill. Every, and we've been doing this for about a year, and every time we're like, we're going to make a list of no. these rapid-fire questions. I like that it's off the cuff, honestly, yeah. because you get a vibe for the person. That's true. So and we do ask them. Yeah. yeah. We can okay. tailor it to the... Awesome. Well, this is all for today. So yes. thank you, campers. Thank you, Aria. Thank for you, being Aria. Here. Thanks this for having me. Yeah, this is so interesting. I'm, I'm like fascinated by I see a budding everything. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's budded. It's Newport, Portlandia. What do you guys yeah. call yourself? Portlanders? Portlandians? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. There's also a lot up. of like weird nicknames for I know Portland. it's like Oregonians. Oregonians. Yeah, I'm not from here, so I don't know. What yeah. Maybe it's Portlanders. 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 Ooh, I that know. sounds, sounds weird. Sounds Anywho. weird. I think it could work. <laughs> Great episode, <laughs> ladies. Yes. All right. Bye, campers. Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.